You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, this is week number two of our series called Life or Death. We're talking about the power of our words. Our words carry great power and great responsibility. So let's look at our foundation scripture. It's found in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. Uh, If y'all could help me out, I messed it up there. So Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21, it's on your handout there so you can look at it. Um, In the easy-to-read version, it says this, your words can be as satisfying as fruit, as pleasing as the food that fills your stomach. The tongue can speak words that bring, say it with me, life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. And so what, what Solomon is telling us is, the first part of that is that words can be as satisfying as something good to eat. It can fill us up with good things. And then he goes on to say that the tongue can speak words of life or death. You know, that's something that God has given us as human beings is the ability to be able to create our words, to speak our words, and to uh, either produce life with our words or produce death with our words. And so I want to just give you a couple of points that we talked about last week just to remind you the tongue can speak words of life or death, but here's the point, the choice is ours. You can choose what you speak, whether it is life, whether it's producing life or is producing death in your life. So let's go and let's look at James chapter 3 verses 2 through Uh, uh, five again, and let's just review this again for what we saw last week. Verse two says this, we all fail in many areas. This is the Passion Translation, by the way, but especially with our words. Is there anybody in here you've never failed with your words? Okay, please pray for me if that is you, okay? So yet, if we're able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. Get that. If you can control this right here, you can control every aspect of your life. And so he goes on to say, and that means our character is mature and fully developed. Verse three, horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. Verse 5 says this, and so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how small a flame can set a huge forest ablaze. So our words are very important. Now, two things that James gives us that we touched on last week, and basically it is this, and want to get this to you. Number one is this, where your life is today is a result of what you believed in what you said yesterday, okay? Now, I know that's kind of a sobering statement, but it's true. Where you are today, the position, the quality of your life today is a result of what you believed and what you said yesterday. So, I want to say this, if you want to change the direction of your life, change your words. You remember he said, if you want to change the direction of a horse, all you do is put pressure on that bridle in that horse's mouth. It puts pressure on the tongue of that horse in the direction that you want the horse to go. And so that is how you determine the direction that when you're riding that horse or, as he said, when you're steering a ship, your tongue is like that rudder. And so what I want us to see is, If your life is going in this direction and you want it to go over here, see, what we have a tendency to do is address external stuff. We want everybody else to change around us, and maybe that'll affect our lives. Well, let's start with what we believe in our hearts, 
and what we say with our mouths and let that change the direction of our lives. Now, I want to say this to you. Somebody said, well, that sounds good, Pastor. I want to change the direction of my life, so I'm going to buy. But this afternoon, as soon as I get out of church, I'm going to start saying some things differently. And, uh, and if it's not different by 5 o'clock, then this, this isn't true. Well, I've got news for you. When you have a life that is going in one direction, it, it, you're not going to be able to turn it instantaneously. You know, uh, if anybody remember the story of the Titanic, you know, when they saw the iceberg, they started to turn the ship, but the ship was so big that they weren't able to successfully make the turn and avoid the iceberg. Well, the same thing is kind of true for your life. When you want to change the direction of your life and you begin to use your words to change that direction, it will not happen overnight. You know, it's the old saying, you didn't get where you are overnight, and it's not going to change overnight, but it will change, praise God, all right? So, if you want to change the direction of your life, start changing your words. Now, I'm going to get a little technical for just a few moments, and I'm going to teach you some things in detail from the Scripture. So, we're talking about our words, and so what I want us to do is use the word confession here, which is... Uh, basically saying the same thing. Now, in the New Testament, the word confession is used in four different ways. So if you're taking notes, let's write this down, okay? There are four types of confession used in the New Testament or mentioned in the New Testament. The first one is confession of sins by the Jews during John the Baptist and Jesus' ministry. Now, if you remember when John the Baptist was in his ministry, before Jesus' ministry was established, John was calling the, the people of Israel to repentance. And so as a sign of their repentance, he would baptize them in water. But what they were required to do was come and confess their need to repent and to be baptized. And so now it didn't provide salvation as we know it for them, but it, but it was a sign of repentance and obedience before the Lord in Jesus' ministry and John the Baptist's ministry. Because, you know, maybe you don't realize this, but there were people that were baptized this same way in Jesus' ministry, okay? Now, Jesus himself did not do the baptizing. His disciples did. But there were people who repented of their sins and acknowledged the need of turning back to God. Now, this was not the new birth as we know it. It was just a move, if you will, a sign of repentance towards God when they confess their sins. The second type of confession that we see in the New Testament is confession of the lordship of Jesus by the sinner today. Now, that does involve you and me. So when you uh, heard the gospel and found that you needed a Savior, then what you did to receive Christ and to be saved was you believed in your heart that he died for you, that he was raised from the dead, and then you confess him with your mouth as being Lord of your life. And when that happened, that's what produces salvation or the new birth in our lives. The third type of confession that we see in the New Testament is a believer's confession of sin or sins when he is out of fellowship with God. Now, thank God, God didn't say a one and done. No, if you miss it, you mess up, even after being born again, even after receiving Christ, there is a way for us to be forgiven. I quoted it earlier, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God, when we sin, and we do because we're human, all right, I don't, but y'all do, okay? Because I'm perfect, all right? Yeah, right, okay? No, no, no. I rely on 1 John 1, 9 just as much as anybody, but thank God we can go to him, we can say, Father, I missed it, please forgive me, and, and he does, and, and when we confess that sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Then the, the fourth type of confession that we see in the New Testament is a believer's confession of faith in the Word of God. A believer's confession of faith in the Word of God. Now, this is something 
uh, secondary or after salvation. It is something that we do when we receive insight and revelation from the Word of God. We are, are supposed to believe that with our hearts and say it with our mouths. And we'll see that as we progress into the message this morning. Now, again, not to be too technical, but let's talk about what does confession mean? What does it mean in our mindset, in our language, in the English language, okay? So the word confession means this, write this down, affirming something we believe, okay? Affirming something we believe. Anybody in here, if your heart was to stop beating right now, that you know you would go to heaven, okay? All of us do. How do we know that? Because we believe it because the Word of God tells that to us. So when we say, which you kind of in a roundabout way did when you raised your hand, you said, I believe that. And so we are affirming something that we believe. The second definition of confession is it's testifying of something we know, testifying of something we know, okay? So, uh, you know, you know that you're on your way to heaven, but has anybody experienced the goodness of God now in this life? Anybody here, okay? We all have, all right? So what we're doing is we're confessing. We're testifying of something that we know. The Scripture says that for the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Well, I have this side of heaven an opportunity have had an opportunity to experience the goodness of God. He has been good to me. And, and, you know, like the old timers used to say, he's been better to me than I've been to myself, all right? So, you know, um, you, you are able to testify because you know of the goodness of God. The third uh, definition of confession is we are witnessing for a truth we have embraced, Okay, so we are witnessing for a truth that we have embraced. So as we grow and mature in the things of God and in the Word of God, and God begins to enlighten us and bring revelation to our lives, He's going to add truth to us. And so as He does that, uh, you know, something as simple as, uh, you know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So that is a truth that we receive after the new birth. And so what we're doing is we're witnessing to that truth. There may not be anything on the outside that tells you I'm a new creation, but I am. Why? Because I'm, I'm testifying to that truth that I have received. Okay. So that all being understood about confession, let's take a look at God's method of operation for just a moment, okay? So write this down, please. Anytime God wants to change something, what does he do? He speaks to it. He talks to it. Somebody says, God talks to things? Yes. Jesus talked to things. He talked to a tree one time and said it wasn't going to bear fruit anymore hereafter forever. He talked to wind and to waves. He talked to things. Now somebody says, well, pastor, I could never see myself talking to things. You talk to stuff all the time. Let, I tell you what, when you walk out that door in just a little bit, if you go out there and your car doesn't crank, I guarantee you you're going to say something to your car. Why aren't you starting? I, you talk to stuff, okay? So if you if if anytime God wants to change something, He speaks to it. Now, just so you can begin to formulate this in your heart and your mind, if you and you don't have to raise your hand with this, but if you are in this room today and you have things in your life that need to be changed, then why don't you act like God and begin to take His word and speak to it? Okay. All right, let's look at some scriptures that prove what my point that I just made. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, you're familiar with this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Have you ever wondered why the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters? Anybody ever wondered that? Okay, well, we'll just go on then since nobody wants to know. No, the reason that the Spirit of God was hovering there was he was waiting on the word to be spoken. Because it is the Spirit of God that responds to God's word and begins to set things in motion. So, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God thought. He wished. He was hoping and a praying. No, it says, and God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Okay, so God saw that there was darkness. He wanted it to change. And so what it, here's what he didn't do is start pacing the floor going, oh, myself, how did this get so dark? Okay, you know what had happened if he had done that? It would have gotten darker, okay? So what did he do? He wanted to change it, so he said, let there be light, and there was light. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 in the Amplified Bible. It says this, by faith we understand that the worlds during the successive ages, and I love this, were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of of God, so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Now, in, you know, I, I read to you verse 2 of chapter 1 of Genesis says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. In the Hebrew language, it, it does not say that it was, it says it became. So, and I'm not going to get into uh, this lesson, That's a, this is a whole other series, but that something happened to cause God's perfect creation to all of a sudden become without form and void and with darkness in it. How many of you know God never creates anything, first of all, with darkness, second, without purpose, with, you know, just void, just there, okay? And so what happened is in verse 3 of chapter 11 of Hebrews, we see that through his word, that these things were framed, they were fashioned, they were put in order, equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God. Now, here's the way that this was ministered to me by the Holy Spirit so that I could understand it. If you wanted to build something, let's say you wanted to construct a house, and so you knew all the materials that you needed from all the lumber, concrete, shingles, windows, inside fixtures, everything, and you called up Lowe's and you said, here's what I need. And you gave them a whole shopping list of everything you needed. And they just came one day with truckload after truckload and just dumped it in the front yard. Shingles were everywhere. Lumber was everywhere. There was no order to it. It was just there in the front yard or in the lot that you wanted to construct this house. Okay. I believe that that would be without form and void, right? Okay, so that's the situation that God found himself in when he wanted to create or recreate the earth and put his man in it. So what he did is he began to speak, and notice what happened. It says that the worlds were framed, they were fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose. When God spoke, all of a sudden, all the two-by-fours that were in the pile started moving around and got in a pile. All the shingles got together. All of the, the, the concrete got together. All of the brick and blocks all got together. In other words, they all got where they were put in order and equipped for their intended purpose. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and tell you this. When you begin to speak the word of God over your life, stuff begins to move. Things that are out of order in the spirit begin to move, shake, rattle, and start getting into order. Notice what it says. 
that they were uh, and put in order where they were equipped for their intended purpose. See, when you begin to declare the word of God over your life, things begin to fall in place. Somebody said, well, I don't see it happening. It is happening. Again, let me help you with something. When you take a spiritual thing like the word of God and you begin to apply it to your life, change happens in the spirit first, then the natural. So there is change that is happening. Again, it may take a little while for the natural to catch up with what's going on in the spirit, but it is happening. Amen? All right, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word that God speaks is alive. Everybody say alive. Okay? And full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Now, what this tells me is when I begin to apply God's word to my life, it is impossible for results not to come. They will come sooner or later. Why? Because his word is active, operative, energizing, and effective. Okay? Now, here's something I want you to write down, please. Somebody said, well, I believe all that, Pastor. I believe what the Scripture says, okay? Well, write this down, please. It's not enough to just believe what the Word says. You must speak it if you want the results of it. Now, I'm going to make a statement. It might surprise you, but you can know that Jesus died on the cross for you. You might even believe that there was a historical figure named Jesus Christ who lived on this earth 2,000 years ago. He died and was crucified. And you might even believe that he was buried. And then because of maybe your upbringing in church, you might even believe that he rose from the dead on Sunday morning, Easter morning. You might believe that, okay? But it is not enough for you just to believe that. Okay, why? Well, let's go to Romans 10, 9 and 10, and I'll tell you. Paul said this. Now, this is referred to as the Roman road to salvation. This is how you get saved right here. Paul said this. If you openly, and this is the New Living, if you openly do what? Declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice it did not say it only if you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. It says you have to declare something and believe something for you to be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by, <clears throat> excuse me, openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Now, I'm going to do something here. Um, this principle is more reaching or uh, uh, expands. Let me, let me just say it to you this way. This is the way you receive everything from God. Okay? You believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth by faith. So, at the end of this verse when it says you are saved, just put a blank there. You are healed. You are delivered. You are set free. You experience the peace of God. All of the things that belong to us in Christ, this is how you receive it, and this is how you walk in it. This is how it is released into your life, is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, or you believe in your heart that you are healed, and then by openly declaring your faith, then you are whatever the blank is. Are you, are, are you with me? Now, have you ever thought about this? You actually had to believe in your heart and say, Jesus is Lord of my life before he became Lord of your life. He became the Lord of your life after you believed it and said it. Not before, after, Okay. Now, why is that important? Because, again, everything is received from God this way, by faith, in your heart, 
and declaring it with your mouth, okay? Now, for the balance of the message this morning, I want to do something. I'm going to, there's two rabbit trails we can go on. I'm going to go on one today, and then we'll go on one next week, all right? So here we go. Write this down, please. You need to understand that there is speaking God's word unto faith, and then there is speaking God's word by faith. It's a vast difference. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is the first one, speaking God's word unto faith. All right? So let's see what the Bible has to say about this right here. What does God's word say about saying God's word? Okay? Proverbs 12, verse 14 says this, For the fruit of his words, a man receives benefit, but the treacherous crave violence. But the, the fruit of your words, or for the fruit of your words, or from the fruit of your words, you receive benefit. So when you are speaking the word of God, it is doing something in you. All right? Here's the next one, Proverbs 16, verse 24. It says this, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the mind and healing to the body. Well, would you agree with me that God's words are pleasant words? Okay. So when we are, are speaking pleasant words, it is sweet to us and it produces healing in our body. All right. Now, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. So then, faith comes how? Okay. And hearing what? Okay, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Does faith come by praying for it? Oh, you weren't that sure on that one. No, it does not. Okay, faith comes as you hear the word of God. Now, you're having an opportunity right now for faith to be produced in your heart just by what we're talking about today. But I will say something to you. You may sit in this room and, and smile and be just as sweet as you can be and not believe one word that I say. But I promise you one thing, you do believe what you say. Okay? See, there, you, you ever, maybe you haven't ever met somebody like this, but you ever heard of somebody that's such a chronic liar that they begin to believe their own lies? Okay? Well, if that's true in the negative, why can't that be true in the positive sense where when we speak God's word, it's producing something on the inside of us called faith. It is. God's word says it does. So when you are speaking God's word, you are building your capacity to believe God's word. Okay? So write this down, please. Faith grows with your confession but your faith will never grow beyond your confession, okay? What does that mean? Faith grows with your confession. So let's say you are in an environment where you're hearing a lot about salvation. Nothing wrong with that. You need to hear about salvation. But listen, if you're already saved, already born again, then you kind of need to move past salvation, all right? But let's say... You're in an environment where you're hearing a lot of preaching on salvation, preaching on the new birth, and all of that type of thing. Again, nothing wrong with that. But what that begins to do is develop faith in your heart where salvation is concerned. But it will, your faith will never grow beyond that because, number one, you're not hearing anything different. And then secondly, you are believing that you're born again, so you have no problem saying, I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm washed in the blood. Uh, you know, all the things that are good and right and we should be saying, but here's the point that I want you to see is that your faith will never grow beyond that point. Okay, what, what, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, there comes a point where God wants you to be useful to the kingdom of God. And so he wants you to begin to understand and realize what he has invested in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
so that you can be a blessing to other people. God wants you to learn how to pray for other people, not just for us four and no more, okay? No, he wants you to learn how to pray. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16 that believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You need to learn how to minister and be a blessing to other people. Your faith is never going to grow to that point if, number one, you don't hear anything about it, and number two, you don't begin to declare that over your life. Are you, are you tracking with me? Okay. So there is no faith without confession. Confession is faith's way of expressing itself. Okay. Somebody says, well, pastor, I just, I have faith in my heart. Well, the Bible says if you have faith in your heart, then Jesus said out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth is going to speak. I should be able to hear where your faith is. Okay. Hallelujah. Praise God. Y'all are just beaming with excitement about this. Praise God. All right. Let's get on with this. Hebrews chapter 10 at verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10 at verse 23. The scripture says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Somebody tell me what hope is. Anybody know? An expectation. If you look it up in the dictionary, hope is an expectation. So we can say, we can plug that word in here. Let us hold fast the confession of our expectation without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So what, what is the promise of God? Well, it could be a number of things. But when you receive that promise, it builds an expectation on the inside of you and that expectation can, be, uh, can, can remain something in the future, but it can also evolve or, or become faith, all right? I'll get into that later, all right? So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Of course, the key word I've highlighted for you here in these verses is the word confession. So Hebrews 4.14 says this, seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our, there's that word again, confession. Okay? Now this verse is a little bit different. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now, I want to ask you a question. This verse says we have a high priest. What's his name? Okay. Somebody tell me, where is Jesus right now? Oh, what? <laughs> He's at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. Okay. Now, don't be scared. Y'all can answer loud. All right. They're like, okay. So seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now there's another verse in Hebrews that says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying for you. He's saying something about you, okay? Now here's what I want us to see in Hebrews 10.23, we have the word confession. In Hebrews 4.14, we also have the word confession. So what does this word confession mean in the original language, the Greek language? It is the Greek word homologia, okay? Now, it's a compound word, homo meaning the same, okay? Like we're of a homo sapien species. We're all of the same species. Then legia is um, saying something. It's the Greek word, comes from the Greek word logos, which means to say something. So what this verse or, or what this word means in the Greek language is to say the same thing. Okay? Are, are, you, are you tracking with me? Okay, so let's go back. Let's look at Hebrews 4.14 again, and let's plug this in. 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to saying the same thing. Same thing as, as what? Same thing he is saying. You need to understand something. Jesus is declaring stuff over you right now. And what God is telling us by the Holy Spirit in these verses is you and I have the privilege. Now, we're connected spiritually, obviously, with God the Father in heaven by the Holy Spirit. You know, we're, con we're connected with the body of Christ that's in heaven. But in the Spirit, <clears throat> you can begin to say the same thing that your high priest is saying about you in the ear of the Father. That's what this verse is telling us, okay? So you and I are called to speak the same thing that your high priest is declaring over you. Now, do you think Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father going, whew, boy, what a mess they are. You know, I never saw this coming, Lord. I thought that, that when I died on the cross, I was going to take care of it all. I thought they were going to have it all together. I thought that they were going to live perfect lives. I thought they were never going to... Man, look, at, look, 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 look at that. Look at that. Look at Kathy down there. Look at her. That's Kathy, by the way. All right. Okay. No, Jesus does not do that. You know why he does not do that? Because if he did that, it would only enforce what needs to be changed. Remember what I said? When God wants to change something, he speaks to it. He doesn't say what already is going on. He says what he desires the end result to be. So you know what? When he looks down at Kathy, and, and, and even in spite of her shortcomings and failures and mistakes, just like me and just like you, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father declaring, I paid the price for them. My blood was shed for them. Father, in our eyes, she is clean and holy and right before you and before me because of what I did on the cross and because of what I did as her high priest. That she can do all things through me because I strengthened her. Matter of fact, Father, she has my mind. Remember Paul said she has the mind of Christ? Matter of fact, Father, uh, you know, she may not fully walk in this yet, but all the powers of darkness have no authority in her life. That's what Jesus is declaring over you. Now, here's what I want us to see is that you and I have the wonderful opportunity to get in agreement with him and begin to declare what he is declaring over us. Now, I said that we were going down the rabbit trail of speaking God's word unto faith. That's why you have to take God's word and begin to speak it, get in agreement with the Lord Jesus, and it causes faith to be produced in your own heart. Are you listening to me? Okay. So what, what is it that we're supposed to say? What is it that we're supposed to confess over our lives? Well, we're supposed to say, it's on your notes there, what Jesus purchased for us in his plan of redemption. What did he buy for me? He bought, first of all, my salvation. He bought my righteousness. He bought my holiness. He bought peace of mind. He bought all of those things when he died on the cross for you and for me. That was all in the plan of redemption. The second thing is we're to be saying is what he's done for us in the new birth and in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm right with God right now. I may not feel like it. I may not look like it. But, but because of my being born again and having received what Jesus did for me, I stand before a holy God as though sin never existed in my life and you do too. Number three, we're supposed to confess and say who we are in Christ. You're not a mess going someplace to happen. You are a victorious child of the Most High God who has the 
power of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling on the inside of you, you are wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. I'm preaching a little bit better than y'all are responding, but that's okay, okay? And then fourth, what we are to be confessing and saying over our lives is what God can do in and through us as believers. You need to see yourself as a world changer. You're not an accident going someplace to happen. You are an anointed child of the Most High God who has purpose, who has potential, and you've got a plan of God behind your life. That's what you need to see, and that's what you need to be saying over your life. Now, I've got a few minutes left. I want to tell you something. You know, I don't get a free pass in this just because I'm a pastor. I have to do exactly what I'm, what I'm asking you to do, all right? And, and I'm going to be honest. Can I be honest with you? I have been all the time, but can I be even more transparent, I guess is the better word, all right? I had gotten kind of lazy where speaking the word over my own life was concerned, okay? You know, I'm human. You know, there were days I didn't feel like doing it, so I'd skip it, okay? And uh, <clears throat> I woke up Friday night, Let's see, this is Sunday, Saturday, Friday night, in the middle of the night, and, 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 and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I mean, I woke up just as clear, clear-headed as I could be, and, and, and I heard this right down here in my heart. You must not really believe that my word makes a difference or else you would be saying it. Oh, wow, boy, that was a gut punch. Okay, I, you know, and of course, I'm like you. I wanted to defend myself, but Lord, I do believe your word. Well, if you believe that it was really impacting your life, you would be saying it. So guess what? Guess what I had to do? I had to do a little repenting. All right, thank God it didn't take but about 10 seconds for me to repent, get that right. And guess what I did Saturday morning when I got up? Got my notebook back out and started speaking God's word confessing God's word over my life, all right? So what I want us to do, I want to give you some ammunition this morning. So we're going to take about five minutes. I'm, I want us to say some things together, all right? 20 things that we're going to say together. We're going to confess together. Now, by the way, all of these things, if you go to the notes for today's message, all of the, you can download what I'm getting ready to give you. It's also under... Uh, on the menu on our website, more and the resources. You can download it there, along with healing scriptures that you can be declaring over yourself. But here's what I want us to do. Say this after me. I am God's son. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am God's son or daughter, child, not a slave. Say this. I am God's heir, not a second-class have-not. Now, see, I've got scripture references here. I'm not going to go into them, but these scriptures say things like you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ, okay? Say this, I am a king and not a pauper. The Bible says in Romans 5, 17 and Revelation 1, 6 that you and I reign in this life as kings and priests before God. Say this, I am more than a conqueror, not barely getting by. Romans 8, 37 says you are more than a conqueror. Say this, I am a new creation, not a miserable churchgoer. <laughs> Amen. Say this, I am righteous, not unworthy. Now, I know times we feel unworthy, but you can't be moved by that. You got to declare what God says over you. Say this, I am a saint, not a sinner. Now, somebody says, but pastor, I, th I thought only folks from Rome could be appointed as saints. Okay, no, that's tradition. Paul called you, by the Holy Ghost, a saint. Read Ephesians 1.1, Colossians 1.2, to the saints which are in Christ Jesus. So, I am a saint, not a sinner. Don't ever call yourself a sinner. Somebody says, but pastor, I sin. Yeah, but because you sin does not make you a sinner. You know, there's a saying that we pastors have when giving an invitation that's, that we, we, we say this, 
you know, sitting in church doesn't make you any more a Christian than sitting in a garage makes you a car, all right? Which is a true statement, all right? But listen, you are a born-again child of God, and even though you might miss it, you miss the mark, and sin does not mean you are a sinner by practice. Amen? Hallelujah. Say this, I am a priest. Say this, I have access to God anytime I want to, anytime I need to, or just because, because I'm not a stranger. Say this, I am blessed. I am not cursed and cannot be cursed. Now, I want to say this to you. Quit trying to get blessed. You are already blessed. Why? Jesus purchased that for you. Now, it makes me upset when I hear preachers say, do this and it'll cause you to get blessed. No, I do this because I am blessed. Okay? Say this one. I am the healed. I am not the sick. Okay? I am the healed. The Bible says you are the healed of the Lord. All right? You are not the sick trying to get well. You are the healed, and the devil would like to make you sick. Okay? Say this. I am delivered. I'm not a prisoner. I am redeemed, not abandoned. Here's one. I am rich and not poor. Ooh. I'm an overcomer, not a failure. I am seated with Christ. I'm not helpless. I am God's temple, not an empty vessel. I am the light of the world. I'm not insignificant. I am Christ's ambassador, not a nobody. I am God's workmanship. I love this. This verse says, uh, in uh, I believe it's the New Living Translation, it says that you are God's masterpiece. You know what a masterpiece is? That means that there's only one, and it's priceless. That's the way you need to see yourself. God created you as a masterpiece. There's nobody or anything like you, and therefore you are priceless. So you are, say this, I am God's workmanship. I'm not junk. Here we go. I am complete in Christ Jesus, not lacking any good thing. Now this right here, that is how you get started by building these things. That took what? I mean, without my commentary, maybe took five minutes. That's how long it will take you to begin to build these things into your heart by saying them with your mouth. And after a while, guess what? You'll start to believe this stuff. And I don't mean that lightly. I mean, you'll start to believe what God has declared over you. You know why? Because you are saying what Jesus is saying over you. Do you think Jesus paid the price that he paid for you and for me? The horrible death and everything that he experienced in his death and his burial, dying spiritually for us, not because of his sin, but because of my sin, experiencing separation from the Father for the first time in his eternal existence, only to be raised from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of the Father for you to live a blown out, busted up, disgusting life. No, he did not. And I am convinced that believers in the body of Christ are living so far below what Jesus or where Jesus wants us to live. I'm not just talking about in a material way. I'm talking about spiritually in our soulish realm and physically. Every area of our lives, we need to come up higher. Amen? Say this after me. I'm coming up higher. I'm going to receive everything that Jesus bought and paid for because it belongs to me, and I'm going to walk in it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard today. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus said your word is like seed and it's fallen on the, the ground, the good ground of the people of this church, Father. And I believe, Father, that it will produce a harvest in their lives. Father, I believe that faith has been stirred in the hearts of every single person that's here today. Father, I believe in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we receive these things and we begin to confess them over our lives, that, Lord, we'll begin to walk in the reality of them, that we'll begin to experience these things in their fullness. And that's your plan for our lives. Father, thank you for the truths of your word. Thank you for who we are in Christ, what Jesus has bought and paid for. And Father, we just believe and we thank you once again for your goodness. Lord, none of this would be possible without your mercy, your grace, your goodness, and your faithfulness in our lives. And Lord, we're so grateful for that. We're so appreciative. And Father, I believe in Jesus' name, you are moving in every single life represented here today. And Father, I, I thank you for it. I believe you for it in Jesus' name. Would you do me a favor if you're here today and, you know, I believe I know where everybody is or, or know everybody in the room, and but I don't like to assume anything. I want to make sure that we all leave on the same page today. If you're here today and, you know, maybe you need to just refresh, re recommit your life to the Lord. I want to help you to do that today. Maybe you're here and you need to give your heart to Christ for the first time. I don't, I don't assume or take anything for granted, but I would love the privilege of being able to pray with you today and see your life changed, to see you born again, to see your life committed totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so would you do me a favor? Would you just, everybody, just pray this simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus... I believe with all my heart that you died for me. I believe with all my heart that you were raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my past. Wash me in your blood and give me a brand new start. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Now fill me to the full and overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, thank you for doing it. And I love you and I appreciate you so much. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.